I won't buy into, oh, the other mothers are all at the thing all day and the other mothers, that's wonderful. Well, this mother isn't doing that because this mother wants to be doing this. And I think, how do we tell our kids to grow up and pursue their dreams if we're not doing it? Yes. Welcome to Building Doors. In this series, you'll develop the skills to build a roadmap for success, get inspired by those leaders who have come before you, and give you the confidence to stop waiting and start building. Today, we have with us Margie Worrell. Margie Worrell is a renowned international speaker, author, and leadership coach. She is known for her expertise in helping individuals and organizations to achieve their full potential and to live and lead with courage. Margie was born and raised in Australia where she received her education and began her career in marketing and communications. Throughout her career, she has held leadership positions at several large corporations and has worked with numerous international organisations. In 2008, Margie founded her own coaching and consulting firm, Brave, which is dedicated to helping individuals and organisations to live and leave with courage. Through her work at Brave, Margie has become a sought-after speaker and has delivered keynote addresses and workshops at conferences and events all over the world. Margie is the author of several books, including Find Your Brave, Stop Playing Safe and Start Living Life, Make Your Mark, A Guide to Reclaiming Your Personal Power, and Stop Playing Safe, Rethink Risk and Unlock the Power of Courage. These books have been widely praised for their insights into the importance of courage in a person's personal and professional life. In addition to her speaking and writing, Margie is an active philanthropist and is dedicated to supporting organisations that empower women and girls around the world. She's received numerous awards for her work, including the Women of Influence Award from the National Association of Women Business Owners. Margie is a passionate and dynamic leader who inspires individuals and organisations to embrace their full potential and to live and lead with courage. Through her work, she has helped countless people to take the leap and achieve their goals, and she continues to be the source of inspiration for many. Welcome to the Building Doors podcast, Margie. I was personally really quite excited to get you on the podcast, as you've had such a huge impact on my own life personally. I have been reading your books following Facebook, and as a mother founding my own business of now six staff. It was a huge personal goal of mine to get you on the podcast so that you could help more people the way that you truly helped me and truly impacted my own life. I was speaking about you to James Whitaker, a mutual friend of ours, and he said, if you could have one person on the podcast, who do you want? I said, Margie. I said, I've read all her books. <laughs> I follow her, and here we are. So thank you for being a guest today. Ah, well, thank you for that flattering comment and I appreciate it. It's great to be with you. Look, this podcast, Margie, is all about building doors and creating opportunities. And what I've learned through reading a lot of your work is a key theme around courage and bravery in actually going out and creating the life that you want. So I'm really keen to get stuck into it and learn more around the ways that you've been able to build doors and create opportunities in your own life and career. Tell us more about that journey for you. Yeah, I would say so much of it has been about moving toward what has given me energy and it inspired me even though I've been scared and sometimes terrified of being exposed. That imposter syndrome has run loudly for me in my ear, that little voice of who do you think you are? 
But I think ultimately, you know, I wrote about this in, in You've Got This, it was about literally defying the little voice of doubt and doing it and doing everything anyway. And, you know, not every door you knock on opens and not every time you're brave and put yourself out there are you rewarded. But if you do it often enough, regularly enough, then and you're constantly taking the feedback and you're not operating with complete blind spots to where you maybe can do things better. Over time, I mean, it's just like statistics. The more you put yourself out there toward things, then the more chances that good things are going to happen. So that's sort of, I think, how I'd probably encapsulate my own journey. And who knows, even now, I don't know what lays ahead, but I just keep showing up for life as you are too, with, you know, you doing what is inspiring you. And I think so often people let their fear of what might go wrong or of what people might say or of being exposed as not having what it takes, sit in the driver's seat and hold them back and keep them settling and playing small. And I think when we do that, we don't just shortchange ourselves, we shortchange everyone else too. Mm. And so it's why I do feel so passionate about what I do because I I just have such a burning passion, Lauren, around helping people really rise into who they can be. And I think so often we can just live smaller lives than we're capable of living. You talk a little bit there around imposter syndrome and and the doubts that you may have and sometimes trying to go toward a door and it doesn't work out or it, it doesn't go to plan. How do you maintain a really resilient mindset when things like imposter syndrome and those other challenges rear their head? Look, I think that's where cultivating some level of self-awareness and mindfulness in so much as just recognising, tuning into ourselves and going, you know, what, how am I feeling right now? What's the story I'm telling myself that's creating or amplifying how I'm feeling? What's another story I could tell myself? Because we all have moments where we feel dejected or we feel less than. We spin those shame stories that we're, you know, we lack, there's something wrong with us, or we're inadequate. So none of us are immune to that. But I think paying attention to what we're paying attention to and cultivating a habit of being able to step back. And I sort of have rituals around this in my life, like things that actually force me to go through the process of, of thinking about, well, what is it that I'm giving power to? Where am I giving power to a story a belief that's not serving me, that's actually keeping me stuck or is keeping me from doing something where I know I need to like make a change or have a tough conversation. You know, something's going on. And I think that's a habit we can all develop. We have to practice it. It's not like it just comes naturally. Our default is often to focus on what's wrong or what's missing, to tell stories that make us a victim or feeling helpless or hopeless, powerless, make others villains, you know, we put blame, it's their fault. But I think the more we can kind of, we have our stories versus our stories having us. Yeah. One thing that I've found interesting as well is listening to one of your podcasts talking about your own transition, which is unusual. And I wanted to talk more about it going back into the corporate world. Mm -hmm. So you had your own business and a coaching business, and then you've written so many books. And then now you're influencing so many leaders in your senior partner role with Corn Very. Tell us more about what that felt like. Was that a big change for you? Or did you have to have a certain amount of courage to completely shift your thinking or, or going into a different corporate role? 
Yeah, great question. I've been asked that question so many times in the last, you know, what I haven't been at Corn Ferry 18 months yet, but I had a lot of people go, why <laughs> would you join a company when you've had your own show for so long? And the answer is kind of multifold, but I would say this. I had my own business for over 20 years, which I felt was really the only main option to me because my husband's work was having us moved around the world where I had four kids. I wanted to have a lot of flexibility and autonomy. And back when I started having kids, my oldest just turned 25. Wow. There wasn't an option to not work in a job, in an office all day, every day, five days a week. I mean, that just wasn't going down back in, what, 98. So I just didn't see a way that I could be the mum I wanted to be and actually the, with supporting a husband whose job moved us around and have a career in a company where I had to show up at an office every day. Mm-hmm. So I chose to do my own thing. I chose to have my own business, pretty small at the time. It really fitted into my life and it has for many years. And then it's obviously got bigger and bigger over time. But yeah, when the opportunity, and honestly, it, was not, it wasn't something I pursued. It wasn't something I'd even vaguely ever considered even for half a second until it literally was presented to me to join the CEO succession and leadership advisory practice at Corn Ferry. And one, I love the idea of learning and growing in new ways. Mm-hmm. And I have learned and grown a lot. Like it has exposed me to how decisions are made in terms of who runs the biggest companies in the world, working with the people who are leading and running those companies, supporting them in their leadership. So one, it's been a learning experience and a really expanding experience. Two, in terms of my own purpose, which is to help people live into their potential, it allows me to support people who their leadership, no organisation outperforms their leaders and people can only flourish as much as you have good leaders in Mm organisations. So there's been something that's aligned to my own purpose around Supporting leaders to be better actually has a scaled impact when those people are running large organizations. So it's really aligned with my own purpose. And three, I've got to learn from really interesting people, whether it's colleagues or it's clients, just learning from people who are at the top of their game. So all those factors were part of why I said, yes, I'll do this. And it's been awesome. And I'll be there until I feel like it's not I'm not able to make my highest point of impact in that through what I'm doing. But for now, it's been really terrific. And obviously, being part of a big organization, there's the downsides we all know about. But the upside is I get to draw on like resources of people Mm -hmm. who are brilliant expertise in things that complements what I have expertise in, but it's different. So yeah, they're all the factors. And in the meantime, I just keep while I'm inside that organization, continuing to do the things that light me up. I'm relaunching a a series of my own Live Brave podcast. I'm still writing. So it's not like I've just stopped doing everything. I'm just sort of managing to do both. Amazing. I think it's really interesting when you talk about that ability or that ripple effect and that ability to impact more leaders in the role. And it does raise a question for me around when you're making these big decisions, you talk a lot in your work around values and doing things in line with values. How do you come up with making a change or or what's your decision-making process where you go, am I going to do this or am I not going to take on this next step? How do you, in your own mind, make that decision and what are the processes you go through to decide if it's for you? 
Yeah. So part of it, I always think make decisions for the right reasons, not the wrong reasons. (laughs) And in the context of my work around courage, it's like, make sure you're not doing it because you're afraid of what might happen, like move toward what inspires you versus away from what's scaring you. Mm. But yeah, like I'm very values. I'm very impact. Yeah. What's the impact, you know, that I'll make, you know, what good can I do in this? Is there an opportunity to do that too? Is it something that draws on, does it give me energy? Is it like inspiring to me? Because I really want to love what I do. I don't love every aspect of what I do all day, every day. I didn't love that when it was just my own business. I don't like it now. There's always things that, that I don't love. But is what I'm getting from it worth what I'm giving up? Mm. And is it moving me toward a future that is inspiring for me, that I feel is allowing me to be more of who I I want to be? And there's always trade-offs. Like I don't ever think... You know, sometimes people say, I love just everything about my life. And maybe they do, like they've learned to love the parts that they don't love. I would say there's always trade-offs in everything we do. And just being being able to reconcile really clearly with what those trade-offs are. Like having kids, right? We love kids, but the trade-off is, is that, you know, your life's not all your own anymore. Yeah you know, having a career while having kids. It's like there's a juggle that other people mightn't be juggling. It's actually, there's always trade-offs. But I think being able to make peace with whatever they are because it's in alignment with our values. So, yeah, I always weigh that up. And in terms of risk, like I talk obviously in the, in the realm of living with courage, there's always risks, right? What's the risk-reward ratio? Mm. And I think what we often do, what I see people often do, is they think about, well, what's the downside that, of, of what could happen if I do this, if I quit my job and, and go out on my own, or if I, but what we don't do so well, and our brains have a temporal bias, like we, is to focus on the short term, what could go wrong, and the risk versus long term. What is it that I might put at risk if I don't do this? Mm. What is it when I'm 100 years old looking back on the life that was when all the decisions are done, what is it that I might regret not doing because I was too afraid of failing or not having what it would take? And so I've always been very, very conscious of not letting my fear of failing in the short term keep me from going after something that I think longer term will be a really rewarding experience. I love that. You're right. So often people focus on what could go wrong, but what about what could go right? What are you passing up if you don't take that leap or if you don't follow that opportunity? What regret? What's the pain of regret with not pursuing your passion? That's absolutely fear regret more than you fear failure. And I would say on that, when it comes to what are you giving up, when I think about the best things of my life and so many great things, they have come as the result of putting myself out there. (laughs) Not always the direct result. It's not like I've tried this and then I've got it. No, but, you know, I've gone after one thing. Maybe I haven't got that, but other things have come because I've been in action, because I've been meeting people in conversations. I've learned about things. And then suddenly another door opens that would never have opened had I not been in pursuit of something. Mm -hmm. And so I believe strongly it's not so much what we get from us being brave and moving toward what inspires us. It's who we become in the process. It's the act of, it's not that like, oh, yes, and now I've reached the mountaintop and I've climbed the mountain and, yes, now it's I'm successful. No, it's the person we've had to be, like more resilient, more gritty, more tenacious and brave, whatever. 
because we've been doing it. And mm. so I just can't speak, I can't, I guess, encourage people enough. Don't be so attached to the outcome as much as the learning, the growth, mm. what you're getting from building the business, from gaining the mastery, from building whatever it is or creating whatever it is that you want to do. Mm. I think people do get caught up in the outcome, but they don't realise that the person they're growing and becoming in the process, overcoming adversity or taking risks and being courageous is changing them as a person, as a leader, as a business owner in that process too. So I think it's so yeah. such a good point that people should consider and often and, and I'm not saying outcomes don't matter like if you're running a business you, you want to make your earnings you want to have a certain amount of profit like all yes. that stuff matters I'm not saying it doesn't matter it does matter so it's like sometimes the misconception around growth mindset like oh failure is good we should be failing all the time no 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 <laughs> we want to succeed absolutely we want to succeed but sometimes success, our idea of what success is, the metric we have on it can actually, we can discover actually achieve success in metrics that actually are even sometimes bigger and better than the ones we thought about. Mm. For instance, writing books. Look, I would love to sell a million bucks and be able to retire off royalties from a book. That would be awesome. (laughs) I wrote my books because I felt really called to write them. Like there was something that made me feel like, I feel like this is a book I really feel called to put into the world. Mm. And if it makes a billion dollars and sells it, great, awesome. But that's not my success metric. Mm. My success metric is I've written the best book I can. I've marketed it as well as I can. I've done the best I could to get that out there. And then, honestly, the rest is with the gods. You know, like there is a certain amount that's outside of our control. And so I think that's where there's attachment versus commitment. Be committed to what it is you're working toward, but don't be so attached to how it's all supposed to unfold. Mm. That's a really good one around and that you talk about as well around the success metric because I think a lot of times people's definition of what success is for them can change as they change. And I know that as well, being a mother and running a business as well and juggling that. So I'm keen to understand from your perspective What is success to you? So if you look back on your career and your life's work and being a parent and the whole package, what would you define success or what do you see as success in your own life? Well, look, I mean, in short, I would say working hard toward meaningful goals that make an impact in people's lives, that lift people to higher ground. Mm. And you can't always see that immediately. <laughs> when we started this, you shared that wonderful uh, feedback that my work has made an impact on your life. I didn't know that. Maybe there's other people that feel that way that I'm never going to know that. Yeah. It's really affirming when I hear that. Mm-hmm. But, you know, as you go along, you do get feedback in, from different sources and you have a sense that, ah, oh, this is adding value. And But I think to me it is really using my gifts for a higher good. And I think all of us have different gifts. Mm. I think different talents, different passions. We feel called to do different things. I think we can get off track 
and undermine our own success because we compare how we're doing with how someone else is doing. And we go, oh, I'm, I wish I was more like them. I wish I had their gifts. I wish I had their success. Like, no, run your own best race. Mm. It's something I, I've had to work at myself. Don't get pulled into what are other people doing, how are other people going, because that actually every moment we spend doing that is a moment we're not focusing in on how do I use what I've got in this moment in time to add value, to make the impact that I want to make. And so to me, it's, you can sometimes, yes, you can sometimes put a number on it, go, I made this much money or I sold this many books or my business grew by this percentage or I've got this much market share or I launched this product or whatever. And I think it's hard to put one metric on something and you can do that, but I think we've got to look at it sometimes through a far larger lens over a greater span of time and go, what does success really mean? And that saying I once heard, if you climbed to the top of the mountain and you didn't enjoy the climb, was it a successful climb? So I think being able to have joy and fine and feel grateful and connection and laughter and as we go through life and honestly, I mean, I think if we can kind of feel good about how we're living our lives, even if we're not always nailing it, that we have integrity in ourselves, that we're living from our values. No matter what happens, we can go, you know what, I, I showed up and was true to what I, what I held dear. And I think we do live in a, in a world that the quick buck and people can sometimes throw out what I think are really core principles and values for living well with integrity, yeah. being honest, being loyal. I think those things are really important as we go through life as a, as a compass to keep us on the right track. I really like what you talked about because as somebody starting a business, I was actually talking only last week about another business owner and I was going, oh, you know, when I look on LinkedIn, there's so many people doing so much more. And one of my favorite quotes is comparison is the thief of joy because yeah. you're jumping on and looking at someone's life through and LinkedIn is all about celebrating, you know, everybody's yeah. celebrating everything they're doing and achieving. Yeah. Yeah. But if that's not your life, I've got two young children and success. We're loving the journey as our business. Everybody's really happy and enjoying and agree with you. You don't enjoy everything, but I think you're right. And I really like that you spoke about that because so many people are comparing themselves to someone yeah. else's highlight reel. Yeah. And it is a highlight reel. And I've worked with enough successful people, air quotes here, having like one long highlight reel and then I have been brought in behind the curtains and it's often not what it seems, often not what it seems. And that doesn't mean we shouldn't share our successes. Sure, my social media will be my highlight reel too most of the time. But I also feel actually I feel really a sense of almost responsibility at times to share the struggles or the hard things mm. and because Everyone's going through them. It makes you actually more relatable. We access people through that as well. But I think it is hard. We do live in a social media world where we're constantly bombarded with everybody skiing in the Swiss Alps and then they're looking a certain way and now they just got this. And I think that's where, you know, run your own best race. We've all got our own mountains to climb. We've all got our own crosses to bear. We've got our own insecurity and fears to manage. We've got our own gifts and talents to sharpen. Mm. And... 
one thing I've loved over the years is I've got to work with different people. I love how different people get lit up by different things. Sometimes people get lit up by stuff. I couldn't think of anything worse, but I love how lit up they are because it reminds me we all get lit up by different stuff and awesome because thank God someone loves writing code because <laughs> the world was full of me's. We'd still be using, well, we wouldn't even be at typewriters, you know, like I'm not, that's not my thing, right? So... I think that's just something we have to constantly remind ourselves of. And when we do get pulled into comparison, because we're human, mm. notice you're doing it. Don't beat yourself up. Just go, ah, oh, there you go again. <laughs> okay, what is it I feel called to do? And that's to me having like the daily rituals, things that help bring us back to who we want to be, help us get on purpose and realign us and reset and renew that is so important so that we can bring the best of who we are to whatever we're doing because none of us can be our best all the time but if you could be at your best 20% more than you are well what might open up in that space tell us more about I'm dying to know your daily rituals as well because <laughs> you've spoken about it a couple of times I've, I have to know what this daily ritual is because yeah, you know well, maybe I, it could help some of the listeners as well I mean you know well, I once heard Tony Robin you know he has like a quarter cup of castor oil and then he gets in an ice bath like it's yeah, not it like that you know and then some deep primal breathing or like it's I'm actually kind of simple compared to that I, I have a cup of Earl Grey tea with milk and sugar thank you and I sit down and I have, I read with like wisdom, any something that connects me to what I call my spiritual self, my God, that just helps really ground me in a spiritual way to who I want to be. I, I believe that we're not so much physical beings who have a spiritual experience, but spiritual beings who have a physical one. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's really important to me, my faith. I nearly always try and get outside and do exercise. So sometimes it might be going for a run or a walk or the gym or whatever. If I'm in a hotel room on some weird part of the world in a city that I'm not going to, I'll just do some stretching in my room. But physically, but generally it's something physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually. It just helps me start my day strong. And also I have rituals around just clear about what are my top things I want to get done, which, I mean, this is kind of, prioritizing you know the vital few from the the many other things that are good to do but what are the things I really want to get done Mm. and blocking my time so that I can do some of the deep work things whether it's record a podcast or write an article or just so that I'm actually thinking beyond the surface level which Mm. is easier to do given all the many things coming at us all the time. I'm glad you talked about connecting with the spiritual self because I think it's very easy to, I had a different guest on, Greg, who talked about frameworks, but also talked about how he prepped for his day. And it was interesting. He's like, don't get on your phone straight away. Don't get on to reacting to the day. Spend some time connecting to yourself. And with a lot of successful people, I seem to be seeing a key theme that they do take that time to connect with the purpose for the day or the key things they want to do in that day rather than just going from meeting to meeting to meeting and reacting yeah. to what's thrown at them. Well, and you know, I've spoken about this a lot, but put your to-be list ahead of your to-do list. Mm. And I mean, I have a ritual at the start of every year. I kind of pick my power virtues and I've got videos online talking about power virtues. But like, what are those traits and values I want to strengthen? I want to kind of add a bit of muscle behind. So maybe it's practicing gratitude or focus or tenacity or being present or whatever it is, you know, purposeful. But at the start of a day, like 
who do I want to be? And one of my journal questions, because I journaling is, I don't journal every day, but I journal, you know, regularly, is I actually have, have a practice of saying, God, what is it you want me to know? And God, who is it you want me to be? And for me, it just helps me get really clear. What's my highest purpose today? How do I want to show up so that I radiate love and light? you know, so that I radiate an energy and an encouragement that lifts people around me. And am I always love and light? Nope, not at all. But if I start my day from that place of intention, Mm. clear about who do I want to be, it helps expand my bandwidth so that when the crappy shit happens, if I do react negatively, it's I catch myself faster or mm. maybe I actually catch myself and I someone's snappy or rude at the shop and I'm like, wow, gee, I wonder what's going on for them that they're so rude mm. <laughs> and I'm not triggered by it as much as I, I observe it and I notice it without it triggering me to be snappy back or whatever. So I think those rituals to me, all of us, you know, I say to people, What is it that when you do it helps you feel better and bigger and braver? Mm. And what might open up if you did that more often? Yeah. Um, And some people go, I would sit under a coconut tree in the Bali sipping on a pina colada. I'm like, okay, well, that's not life. (laughs) But in your life, what is it when you do it? And it might be just get outside for a walk, play guitar, listen to music, read something uplifting, hug the dog, you know, just all that stuff. I think we need to also remind ourselves to make time for that stuff, to not get caught up in the busyness of life. Because for me, I love walking out in nature. And sometimes you can get caught up in the busyness of life and running a business, kids, whatever you've got on in your own personal life and forget to do those things that fill your cup and connect you back to your purpose and what brings you joy. So that's a really good point to make and think about what it is that you can add into your day that can I call call it Lauren I call it self practicing selffulness Mm. um you know we often think of being selfless or selfish but selfful is like what is it we need to do to keep refilling our cup Mm. and there's always going to be seasons of life if you've got young kids and one of them's sick and you've been up the last four nights in a row or night and you're trying to have a job and your husband's traveling or marriage is in a bad place and you find out whatever like we've all had those seasons I've sure as heck had those seasons but overall when we're mindful of what is it I need to do for myself and so I remember one time years ago snapping at my daughter really going off at her at a mall and my husband looking at me like seriously honey mm. um I think he said to me at the time if we were home like I put you in time out well, when we got home I put myself in time out and it was like I think the more that's expected of us and the more demands on us, the more we have to be so deliberate and disciplined Mm. in taking some time and doing the supposedly selfish thing. It's like, oh, the good mothers wouldn't do this. Like, no, a good mother makes sure she's investing in her own self-care so that she can be more of the mum she wants to be for her kids. Or a leader, honestly, the best leaders are extremely disciplined and intentional in their habits because leaders are as vulnerable to all of the things the rest of us are. So they've got to be just continually making sure that they're showing up as the leader they want to be. And that requires really prioritising what empowers us. I love that you just spoke about, as a parent, those moments when you've 
you're exhausted, you might snap at one of your children and you feel you feel really bad and beat yourself up about it and things like that as well. But recognising the importance of self-care and things like that as well. I'm really glad that you talked about that because I feel like definitely for myself becoming a mother, my whole identity changed around how could I fit in work and kids and make sure that I was, you spoke before about trade-off, but being really mindful around can't do everything and what can I do and what can mm-hmm. I commit to? And as long as I'm giving my full self much as I can to what's important to me, then that's going to be great for us as a family. I want to mm-hmm. talk to you about trade-offs as well, because you mentioned that before, I mean, you've had four kids and run a successful business. That is inspirational in itself. And being able to manage that, for me, as a mum and a business owner, I always admired and I always admired your authenticity about talking about, as you said, the struggles and that it's not always hunky-dory and that there can be some challenging moments in that. How do you navigate the trade-offs? Or how did you navigate the trade-offs through the last you know, 20 years of yeah. running a family and running a business? Yeah, by the seat of my pants every day, there was no formula, there was no two days of the same and every now and again you get a day where you're like, this was a really good day. I got up and I went for a run I came home and I made the sandwiches and I dropped the kids at school and I came home and I did this and I did that and I picked and it was just all beautiful and that's like one in a hundred And then other days you're frazzled, you forget something, you drop the ball here. You know, there's a lot of ball dropping. Mm. I would say really important is to lower the perfectionist bar that we so often have for ourselves. Mm. And I think women today, we think about what a good mother looks like and does and we think of our mothers and grandmothers maybe that maybe didn't work. Yep. Or do you certainly didn't have the careers or the businesses that we have? And we want to be as good a mum as they were. We want to have a really successful business as a woman who maybe doesn't have any children at all. We also want to look like we run a marathon before breakfast because now we're bombarded with, oh, the you know, post-birth body after five weeks and she's got a six-pack, which seriously, that person, that's probably all they're doing is mm. getting getting a six pack back or whatever. And so we have this bar. We want to be a 10 out of 10 on about 10 different measures. Very few people, I mean, I can't even think of any, are like that on every measure. Mm. Usually they're really, they're getting something really strong. So I think we often, we have this perfectionist bar we set and then we beat ourselves up when we don't scale it. And that adage, you know, good enough is good enough is so true. Mm. And I really believe strongly for our children. I have remember years ago, like, no, I'm not perfect. I'm doing the best I can. Thank you for your feedback. Absolutely. I'll take it on. But I won't buy into them guilt tripping me. Oh, the other mothers are all at the thing all day. And the other mothers, like, that's wonderful. Well, this mother isn't doing that because this mother wants to be doing this. And I think, how do we tell our kids to grow up and pursue their dreams if we're not doing it? Yes, um, absolutely. It doesn't, mean, it doesn't mean we're doing it at full speed at 100 miles an hour. I felt like I was going on at a very slow little plod for a long time when my kids were young. I wasn't doing things at the, at the pace that I am now because I wanted to be there most of the time when they got home from school or when they were younger, when they were, weren't even at school. So things changed. And remember, for anyone who's got young kids, they don't stay young. 
and they get older and they get more independent and then they don't want you around very much. Mm. So there is a window of time and that time passes, that season passes. Mm. And I think sometimes we can be champing at the bit, but, you know, there's always a little tension there. I always felt a little tension when I was off traveling with work. I'd feel guilty that I wasn't with kids. And when I'm with the kids, I'm like, ah, I wish I was right. But it was uh, just trying to make peace with that and then making peace with not being able to fully make peace with it too. Yeah, love it. And before we go into the rocket round, I did have one really, I guess, important question that I'd, I'd love to know from you. What is the legacy you hope to leave in the world from your life's work? I hope that there will be many people whose courage, maybe I inspired, who change lives because of what they've done, because they were braver. So there'll be ways I never know what that is, but there's a ripple effect. Mm. And I also hope that my books, which is part of the reason I've I felt called, they're in the world, like they'll be out there for, that they will inspire people for a long time to come, that there's a timelessness to them. But also as a mom, obviously my four children, I just hope that they will grow up to use their gifts in ways that that serve the world and that make an impact. And so that to me is really important too. As a leader, as a parent, they're the people we impact the most. So yeah, so multiple different things. You know, I'm obviously not going to find a cure for cancer. Um, <laughs> I will never know, but I just want to be able to go to my grave and go, I gave my best. Yeah. I think that that is a great insight and I also believe in what you're saying as well, that your children seeing you, that your gifts to impact the world then gives them that confidence and courage to be able to do it themselves. So I can't wait to see what your children achieve as well. Now, we're going to get into the rocket round, which is a bit of fun, where we ask a few quick questions just to wrap up the episode. First one, favourite book? The Road Less Travelled by Scott Peck. Okay, haven't read that one. Good. Favourite holiday destination? Hmm. Nungurna, East Gippsland, Victoria, Australia. It's where I grew up. Haven't been there. Have to try that. Uh, cats or dogs? Dogs. Everyone says, poor cats. Poor cats haven't. <laughs> Coffee or wine? <laughs> that is a tough one because I'm like, which one would I have to give up? <sighs> Stumps I'm going to take a pass. I'm going to take Tanya, I think one of the other guests took a pass too. White Christmas or summer Christmas? Hmm. Summer. And what podcast are you listening to right now? Ooh. Craig Grishel. Hmm. Excellent. Leadership podcast. Mm-hmm. And what makes you feel like you're home? A cup of tea on a couch surrounded by people who either are family or feel like family. Oh, I love that. That's so nice. Look, thank you so much for coming on to the <laughs> podcast today. Just so much insights shared for so many different people that you've gone through and talking about the bravery and the courage and giving ourselves permission to not be perfect parents all the time and so much insight shared. So I'd love to know, Margie, as well, how can we support you? Tell us more about ways that we can follow you, podcasts at your your own podcast. What ways yeah. can the listeners support you? 
Oh, thanks. Uh, yes. Okay. First up, my Live Brave podcast. You can find wherever you listen to podcasts. About to launch a new season. It has not had a lot of attention in the last 16 months, but I am launching a new season. I've got some really cool interviews coming up too. Secondly, Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook, whatever, Twitter, you can find me under my name, Margie Worrell. And I also just encourage people to go to my website, margieworrell.com. You'll see my books. You've got this is one I think that would really resonate for your audience. But I also have a How to Be Brave course and people can sign up for my course on How to Be Brave where I share my life lessons on that in a video series. So I encourage people to go check that out as well. So thank you for asking. And I, I really hope I stay connected with you know those of you who are listening today. Be, that would be an honor for me. And I hope I can support you as, as you move forward and figure out how do I live my bravest life. Thank you so much, Margie. I really appreciate you being a guest and yeah, get onto the website, do the course, read the books I have and very confident. And as you should be after this episode that you're going to get a lot out of it. Thanks, Margie. Uh, Thank you, Lauren. Thanks for listening to Building Doors. If you've got comments or questions, send them to hello at buildingdoors.com.au. And remember to subscribe, rate and review. See you next time.